So it's an I do statement, just like in a wedding. I'm trusting. It's a step of faith. We say we are do, when we do a marriage, we say this is in good faith. You're saying, I trust that you will hold up your end of what you said you will do. So when I come to you and say, Lord, I do. And what is the follows that word I do? I do need you to work on my behalf. I do need you to help my body. I do need you to help my relationships. All right? So shall we do that together? Just quickly. Let's just do that. Let's not lose this moment. Father, we come to you as a body of believers. Lord, who are often feeling dejected or worn down in our bodies, in our hearts. Lord, and we come confessing the need of you. So Lord, we put our hands in yours and we say, I do. Believe that you will do what you said you will do. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, so we trade every place of despair, every place of hopelessness, every place where the enemy has convinced us, you might as well just sit down. This is your life, just take it. No, Lord, we come to you and we say, we believe you are the Savior. You are the God who loves to save. You delight in saving your people. So, Lord, we ask for each of the situations in, in the variety of ways that we have affecting our families, come and save us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What you, what, what you might not realize is what you just did was a step of faith. This is what real faith looks like. It's not bravado. It's not you trying to act more together than you are. It's not you trying to get to a place of confidence that you're not at. But it's in those simple places of, Lord, this is how much I know. And I come back to those simple places of trust. Okay? So regardless of what you're going, going through, I want to encourage you with that. Now, last week I touched on this aspect of God giving his church stewards and equippers, people who would build the church up for the work of ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says, He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers specifically to equip the saints for the work of diakonos. Work of? ministry. That's what that word serving and ministry comes from. So one of the things that we touched on when we were talking about elders and deacons is who are deacons? Specifically, there are people who fulfill certain tasks of deacons, but we are all called to the work of deaconing. We're all called to the work of service. We're all called to the work of ministry. We all are serving people. All of us, each one of us. There's not a single person in this room who does not have a gift that the Lord will use to build up this church. So, in that context, we are all deaconing. So I, Judah, I am a deacon who serves in the office of an elder, but I also deacon in the context of serving with worship, or serving when I come pray over you, or whatever it is. We are all called to this, this blessing of functioning under the Holy Spirit in the work of ministry. So whenever you see that word ministry, or whenever you see the word serve, 
the word that is being translated is the word is the is the action word for the office deacon. Okay? It doesn't make sense. So it's the it's the Greek word which is used to describe deacons. So who 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 are we talking about when we talk about deacons? All of us. But in the church, when it comes to the office of deacon, okay? Now I want to just give a slight distinction. We're talking about people who are set aside for a specific task. Does that absolve them of every other task? Am I absolved of every other task of being a part of this body just because I teach? No. So I'm as capable of praying for you and receiving the gift of healing. I'm as capable of coming and spending time and opening my home so that hospitality is extended to the household of God. Is it something I excel in? Maybe not. Maybe it's not my primary gift. But who is the giver? God is. Who is the gift? The Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is the gift, all of the gifts, plural, that we see at work in the church are all an outflow of whom? The Holy Spirit. It's not an outflow of me. It's not an outflow of Judah being hospitable because that's what Christians do. I say, Lord, if you have granted me the gift, the spiritual gift, that when I open my home to other people, it's not just food they eat and not a couch they sit on, but the life of God affects people when they walk into my household. Everything is a spiritual act. The word in... In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when it says, Submit, present yourselves, therefore, in view of God's mercy, because this is your spiritual act of worship, right? We often over-spiritualize that. It is saying, this is logical for you to do. When you present yourself to the Lord, it is an act of yielding to the Holy Spirit. It is an act of presenting your member, presenting who you are as each member of this church saying, Lord, we want to be used of you. There is nothing that I do in my own strength. Can you, can you say that with me? There is nothing I can do in my own strength. Jesus himself said that in John chapter 15, verse 5. Right? Apart from me, you can do? Okay. So if, if Jesus himself said that you need by necessity to be a part of me for every work. Not just Christian work. Every work. The work of being a mom. The work of being a husband. The work of being a student. The work of, be, of being in your work, in your job. Everything requires me. But we have got used to a context where we ask God for help when we run out of options. When we've run out of physical strength, mental strength, right? That's when we are prone to asking God for help. And that should not be, especially for those who walk with God by faith. We're saying, Lord, I never want to come to a place where I, I'm suddenly aware that I don't have you in the mix. I want to be someone who's presently in my, you know, making breakfast and spending time with my kids. For me, I, I don't know about you, I'm in a child-raising child phase of life. Mornings are extremely hard, right? I have things I need to get to, but I have four other kids, 
for other human beings who are convinced that their issue is the most important issue. Right? And these four human beings don't all want the same thing. So I got to make sure that you've had your breakfast, head off to school, do your things, made sure that you've changed your underwear and brushed your teeth, and just these sorts of things. And somewhere in there is a cup of coffee. And I don't know how to do this well. I can, I can learn tips and techniques on how to get this more organized. But I am missing out on this big ingredient called the grace of God. Which is the power of God towards me for who believes in Him. So if I believe in Jesus and I'm saying, Lord, I need you, Holy Spirit, let this be a spiritual act. Let this be a logical proceeding that happens because I'm part of who you are. So whenever that word spiritual act of worship, which is translated in your Bible, present yourselves, the word there is logical. It is, it is, a log, it is the only sensible thing to do. Present yourselves in view of God's mercy. So when you do that, in Peter it says, we are being built up as a spiritual house. That word spiritual is the word spirit, actual Holy Spirit built house. Each of us have a function. So the logical thing for us to do is say, Lord, you have all of me. Not a spiritual gifts test. I know a lot of those things are running around and people feel like that is what God will use you in. We're talking about not what makes sense logically. I'm talking about the things that are not on a spiritual gifts test. Because those are things you can do. Spiritual gifts test things are you can do things. We're talking about the God can do things. Do I have the gift to heal people when I pray? It's not something I actively walk in. But you know something? When it, this is, I'll just give, this is anecdotal, so that you see it's not coming from just out of thin air. When I was in 2013, actually just before I came here, that same year, I had gone to Rwanda, okay? And I was with the team, and we were sharing the gospel on the streets in Rwanda. Rwanda, for those of you who don't know, is a nation that has been ravaged by war. Okay, through the 90s, there was a genocide of crazy proportions where people were killed in the millions, mass graves all over the place. So there's an entire generation that came up that don't know where they came from. Because there's just a whole missing link of people just wiped away. Now, this nation, we're, pre we're preaching the gospel, people into witchcraft, people into all kinds of things. And you see it very tangibly on the ground. And I'm someone who, at, until that point, functioned as a worship pastor. My goal was leading people into the presence of God. And that was something I did with all my heart. And... This evangelist, he's actually one of our mission partners back there for Word of Grace. You can read about them. It's Mission 24. So we went to Rwanda, and I thought he was going to ask me to lead worship. 
right? He's like, Judah, I want you to teach 200 pastors. I'm like, wait, I don't need, I, I'm not even a senior pastor of any church. At that point, I wasn't even a pastor. And he says, no, there's something that God has given you that you need to teach. So I'm like, well, he's like I'm, I was like, should, should I teach on worship? He's like, no, you're going to teach on righteousness and the fear of God. I'm like, oh, well, how do I teach on that? And God did something that I did not have a skill for. I'd never given long sermons. I, had, you, I was the guy who, like, for five minutes would maybe give you something from Scripture to encourage you while I was leading worship. I never taught actively. That was something I had to learn. And then later, a couple days later, we have lines of people. This is the evening meetings, people coming in from all over, not church people. And we are ministering to a whole bunch of people. And I don't have any of these gifts that are being used here. I'm someone who is used to other contexts, right? I'm used to sharing the gospel. That's what, how I grew up. So I'm, I'm good sharing the gospel one-on-one on the street. Those are things I'm fine with. Suddenly, I get, again, Judah, I want you to go over this side, and you're going to start praying for people to be healed. I'm like, dude, you don't, you're, that's your thing. You're that dude. Like, and that's when I had to realize what I just shared with you. Who is the gift? Holy Spirit is the gift. It's not me who has the gift. If I, apart from him, have no gift. The moment I'm connected to him, I have all gifts available. Do I function in all of them? No. But I have the availability of all of that. Why? Because he is available. Does that make sense? So when Holy Spirit was there, and I'm praying over this person, and I'm like, okay, somebody tell me you got like a headache or something like that, right? This person comes a bullet hole right through her chest. So she has like a big gaping hole on her, ch- on her shoulder right here. She's deaf and she's dumb. And I'm like, this girl has obviously, she had this injury when she was two or three years old. Parents killed. No, so that's the context for s- several of these children. Okay? And I'm praying over this girl. She's, what, 13, 14 by now or something. And I'm like, Lord, what do I pray? I mean, people are trying to, like, give me in their language, like, she can't speak, she can't hear, so she, she's not responding to anything I'm saying. I'm like, and this line is getting longer. I'm like, all these other people are praying for people, and their line's getting shorter. I'm here, like, this line's so long. No one's moving. I'm like, I look stupid here. And I just started praying. And then the Lord just told me, stop saying stuff. I was like, but this person needs to be healed. I was like, what do they need to be healed of? She said, the Lord said, just give this person a hug. I'm like, okay. Give this person a hug. And I thought, you know, one of those quick Christian hugs, you know, like, you know. (laughs) And he's like, no, just stay there. And it took another, I want to make this story short. So it took another 10, 12 minutes of me just standing there. And I look stupid, so stupid, because everyone else is praying, you know, like saying stuff and laying their hands on people. And, and I'm like, 
I look so silly here. And I was like, you should have just given me the guitar. Like, let me do the, like, blinky, blinky stuff while you guys are doing this, you know? And in that moment, I started to see the Lord said, all right, now ask for water. I said, okay, where's water? So I give her a bottle of, you know, one of those of water, and I said, drink. She drinks. And in that moment, her ears were open, and she started speaking, okay? Now, this first of all takes me aback, because it's the first time I've seen something like this happen, okay? Because this person was clearly, you know, like when someone's mute, they, they cannot form syllables in their mouth, because they can't hear as well. But what I realized in that moment was there was a spiritual bondage which had bound this person, which needed a ministry of the love of God, not healing. So this child had been trapped for all those years, left on the streets because you're weird, because you don't communicate. And this person received the grace of God. Do I operate in the gift of healing? No. What I do operate in is Holy Spirit doing what He does. And that's what you operate in. So rather than feeling the stupidity of the moment of what I don't have, this is why I'm saying it's not on a spiritual gifts test. Because what I don't have is not the question here. Or what I do have is not the question here. The question is who is at work here. If the Holy Spirit's at work here, guess what? I can look like the biggest idiot. I'll be standing there for five, ten minutes, or maybe even days. God says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I lay hands on the sick, and some of them don't recover. Is God's word not true? No. So I go back and I pray again. And it is all simple steps of saying, Lord, I do. Because our flesh is often threatened by, you're going to look stupid. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we have to remember, we're not trying to acquire something for us. This is not an acquiring thing. This is not a, so I think my gifts are, and I've been in churches where we list, my gifts are this, 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 and this, and this. Guess what? That is your skill, and I'm glad you're skillful in those things. But guess what? Maybe your skill is not what we need today. Your availability is what we need. So maybe your gig was being the worship pastor. But that, that same year was the year God called me to pastor this church. To be someone who walked with this church in a leading capacity when I was always the guy who said, well, tell me who the guy is. I'll help that guy. I was that person. To this day, I love helping other people do what God called them to do. But when you step into the grace of God, not in your... I, it makes sense to me. This seems like a logical next step. No. Stop with the logical next steps. Say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what would you like to do today? So in that context, you will find yourself functioning in something before you ask, what is my title? Does that make sense? Because in the church today, one of the biggest problems in the church is we are so concerned about who has the title of. 
we're not willing to function in what God has given us already. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one. And Christ's gift, when it talks about the measure, it's always the fullness of who Jesus is, but the manifestation of it has a certain measure in how God operates through you. So I'm not trying to copy what I see in Deb. I'm not trying to copy what I see in Uncle John. I'm not trying to copy what I see in somebody else. I imitate their faith. I imitate how they seek after God. But I will never be someone who says, I need to be like them. Because the grace of God operates through them in a unique way that I will never operate in. So we're not trying to create clones. What we are trying to do is create people who say, Lord, I'm ready for the work of serving you. This is coming directly from your throne. It's got nothing to do with who is in charge here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards, as good stewards of God's varied grace. It's not a samey grace. Does that make sense? So God's grace is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Which is why the more we get caught up in trying to fit gifts into certain categories and saying you've got this and you've got that, we forget that it's the Holy Spirit who's operating here. And he is the one who distributes these grace gifts as he wills. Not as I will. Not as the leadership structure wills. But as he wills. So when he operates through each one, there is a posture we must take. Let's read Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, this is Paul talking, right? Now he, as, as far as we're all aware, he's the, the main dude when it comes to planting the new church, right? If you were to say, who was the father of the modern church movement at the time? Because they were all used to just synagogue kind of dealings. This is the guy who's pioneering work into this new territory called the church, the local church. So he's kind of written the book on it. Right? And this is the grace that has been given to him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He says, For by the grace given to me, which is an amazing grace, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of I do statements. That you have trained yourself in with God. Not in the stuff that you've not trained yourself on in God. We're not talking about what the whole Bible teaching says you should have. We're talking about the things that you have taken steps off in faith. So according to the measure of faith that you have, 
exercise it. For as each one, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We don't have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us, let us use them. If it is prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If it's service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in their generosity. The one who leads, let it be with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. With all these things, this is the heart attitude I want you to have. Prefer one another. Prefer one another. And start to give honor to others and treat yourself with sober judgment. You're not the reason why this church operates. More so for someone like me to say, my ministry is not the reason why this church operates. This church operates outside of me being able to do what I do. Because guess what? One of these days, I will be no more. What happens to this church if I am not here? What happens to all the people who join this church looking for this pastor? Suddenly your favorite person is gone. Oh, this church doesn't really meet my needs. Guess what? It wasn't about you. The church, wherever it is, wherever it meets, is never about you. Which is why I delight when I get to go on vacation, even though it's sometimes troublesome to some people in my family, I love finding where the church is, wherever we are. I love to go and see how these other people meet. Sure, I'm on vacation, but I love to see the church. Because this is one place where I get to operate in a totally different function than I normally function in. Right? I get to be a grace-given person to say, I am someone who comes from the church of Indiana, and I have a gift for you. It doesn't have to be anywhere near a stage. But I get to give to the one or the two, or maybe I was sitting in the back of some church meeting when I'm in England or when I'm in India or when I'm in some other country. And I get to see and be like, this is what God's given me for you. To just have lunch with you or to spend time with you and encourage you in your faith. This is why God has given us grace gifts. We don't have to all operate in the same function. Continue reading in Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's go there. It's, it's really good. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another out of brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be lazy when it comes to being zealous. Don't get lazy. Because that's a temptation in this time period. We have people who do the church things. 
Why do I need to study the Bible? I'll just wait till someone gives me something. Why do I need to read? Why do I need to spend time? Because I have a podcast that will give it to me on Monday evening. The reason Bible study has become more complicated over time is because we have absolved people of the, the duty and the responsibility to say, I need to get on with reading. The excuse I hear constantly, and I'm saying this as someone who struggles with reading. When I was in school, I was told I wouldn't really, I would, comprehension used to be a big issue for me. But I was like, I love the Lord, and the Bible became my, my book. I was like, I'm going to learn to read it. I get lost the moment this, these, these run-on statements, especially if you're reading Paul. This guy never stops. He doesn't have punctuation. This guy keeps going on. I'm, it used to tick me off. I'm like, I don't get what is he talking about. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. This is a grace thing. And if grace has been given to me, guess what? I can understand his word. So I'm not going to come from an understanding gate and say, it doesn't make sense to me, so that's why I need someone else to teach me. But rather say, Holy Spirit, you have been given to me as teacher, so I'm going to open your word, show me how this works. I could be on the same two verses for the next week. That's fine, but I'll go. I'll do it. It's like the working out thing. That laziness that feels to set in where it's like, it's just so hard. But guess what? Once you keep doing it, working out becomes easier. Once you keep doing it, reading starts becoming easier. Spending time in the Word is no longer a chore. But this is a grace thing. It's a grace thing. You're not going to manufacture it. It's something that comes from Him. So don't be lazy when it comes to zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. It's that word. Deaconing again. Serve Him. Serve Him as someone who says, I know I am not my own. I don't belong to me. There is no me time. Moms and dads are very aware of that context. Right? Me time does not exist, and it's not a bad thing. We're in a society where self-care is elevated to a place where self-care is king and God mattering is somewhere in the mix. Your highest form of self-care is devoting yourself to the Lord. When you devote yourself to the Lord, you start to find that is where peace flows from. I'm not talking about going and attending lots of meetings and being in 500 Bible studies. That is not good self-care. But self-care in the context of saying, Lord, I need you for everything I have in life. I cannot do it without you. So being people who are submitted to God with whatever gifts he gives us, the Bible gives us several um, spiritual gifts, and I want to go through some of them because I'm not going to do it justice, so I don't want to go into it in detail. I will do that in maybe smaller video segments. I've talked about this with some of our, our elders, and I think it's not appropriate for me to just touch on some of these things 
and then kind of just breeze past them. So what I want to do is teach on them more specifically, but in shorter video segments so that you can get all of it. But just so, for your notes, in Romans 12, 6 through 8, it talks about certain gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about certain gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about certain gifts. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, it talks about certain gifts. So now, whenever we talk about the word spiritual gifts, everyone's like, so give me, tell me how many there are. You just read a verse that said, this is the varied grace of God. So there aren't nine. And neither is the number seven. Even though it's a nice, cute number. It's none of these things. Because God operates, just from that little that example I gave you of my own life, there wasn't any one gift that was in operation. It was the Holy Spirit operating through a variety of gifts, and I was just the agency. So are you. Now, when you start to repeat and start to practice operating in a certain gift, guess what happens? You start to get trained to be more skillful in handling these gifts. And this is something that I really want to set the tone for as we talk about this in our church. Depending on your background, you might have come with the understanding that God just gives you a gift and then you have it. But the issue is still responding to Holy Spirit. So if I'm not responding to Holy Spirit right now, as I stand right here, my teaching will be specifically my understanding I'm trying to download onto you. Whereas if the Holy Spirit is at work, even though I sound croaky like Barry White and all that kind of stuff, I'm, what God is giving you will be something that God does, not what Judah does. It will be something that even if my language wasn't beautiful, even if I wasn't skillful or artful in how I delivered something, I know God's grace enables that. But does that make me slothful or lazy in my wanting to serve the Lord? No. So I need to apply myself. Which is why I have to prepare. Which is why I go back to the Lord and say, Lord, in your word, show me how I need to do this. I had a whole bunch of teaching notes for this sermon and the previous two. And the Lord asked me to shift some of the things that I was doing. It bugged me because I wanted to get to it. Right? But that's not where God had me go for the people that we have here. Would I love to have, take another 15 weeks and talk through all of this stuff? Sure. But God has a word for us today. And if we're not willing to receive what he has for us today, what audacity do we have that we are going to say, Lord, I can tell you what I have prepared for you, for these people, because I know exactly what they need. He knows what's going on in this room. And which is why we needed to take the time to respond to the simple things that we are facing as a body about just weariness. What was the point of me talking about a whole bunch of gifts if weariness was already pushing your head underwater? Right? So these are things that we need to respond to as we go through these things. 
but we will work through these things systematically. So I'm not doing that today, but I want you to know that all of these gifts are the varied grace of God. So anytime you hear of one gift, don't highlight it as the one that's the most important. There are people who highlight the gift of prophecy as the highlight gift. Why? Because that sounds really like the one that's mentioned in all of these passages. <coughs> but when we offer anything spoken, and this, this covers a whole bunch of spoken gifts, that is prophecy, teaching, exhortation, um, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of faith, um, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, spiritual songs, songs of deliverance. These are all things that God does. But it's not all in this list. Do you, do you see my point? So when we respond to God as a church, we have to remember that every time our mouth is used, I speak. When I speak, I speak as the oracles of God. Anytime you speak, it's prophetic. But unfortunately, it's not. Sometimes I'm just shooting the breeze about the Steelers. Do, do you get my point? Is there anything wrong with talking about the Steelers? I love the Steelers. I'd love to talk about the Steelers. But I want to redeem the time I have with the family of God. So when I am together with you guys, it says, pay attention when you gather as the family of God. When you speak, don't just say your random stuff, but speak in the context of saying, I see my brother, I see my sister. How can I minister out of what God has given me that my sister needs? And then for my sister to turn around and say, what can I minister to my brother out of what God has given me? That's how we redeem these moments. And it's all a God, it's a God work, not a me work. It's not me saying, let me find who I can really give something to. It's not about you. So that attitude's got to go, according to Romans 12. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Cool it, bro. Just chill out. Sit down. And then from there, start saying, okay, Lord, out of what I have received, freely I have received. Now I will freely give. Who is at work? Holy Spirit's at work, not me. So, <clears throat> in anything that involves our tongue, in anything that involves speaking, have this ha attitude in you. Lord, if I speak, place a guard over my mouth, Lord. I'm so prone to speaking what I think. So when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we're so prone to then being loose on that end. Saying, this is what God gave me, so I'm just going to go for it. Is this something that you are saying to the church? Is this something that is for all of us? So if it's a word of encouragement, what am I encouraging specifically? If it's a teaching you are giving, what am I teaching specifically? If it is... An exhortation or something that gives you a point. An exhortation is something that not only encourages, but gives you something to lay down and point you towards. Saying, don't do this, do this. That's what an exhortation is. Okay? So, is it something like that? A redirect? 
what are we doing whenever we come saying, Lord, I don't want it to just be Bible words. We're used to Bible speech. And guess what? If you're in the church and you say the name Jesus, you read something from the Bible, we're good, right? No. Because it has to be a timely word. This, this passage of scripture has really changed the way I look at ministering in the church. All the spiritual gifts that are outlined in scripture, wherever you read about it, this is one thread that comes through. All of it must be done for the building up of the saints, for the building up of the church. Whether you're in Ephesians, whether you're in Thessalonians, whether it, all of these passages talk about one specific goal, that everyone is built up. So we come from contexts where delivering words of God, Alex, I see in you, the Lord tells you to stop what you... Now, as much as that might be true, if God gives me a word of knowledge about somebody in the church, is that to highlight that I know something? I, teach, I treat it with great honor, with great respect that the Lord chose to give a direction to a brother or a sister. Right? So I need to honor that. Now, in the same way, if God was giving a word to the whole church, I do it with a place of honor, of preferring them. So I don't just deliver it for the sake of delivering it. I humble myself and I say, this is something I have. Right? And it must be done for the building up of the church, not for the tearing down or for the judging of the church and so I know what is right and this is what God requires of us. All of these things, we have to be really careful because these things have been misused in the church before. So, as we wind this up, what I want you to know is <clears throat> if you speak, speak with humility. Don't speak as someone who has received something that needs to now suddenly revolutionize everybody else's life. Do it with humility and say, Lord, I want to submit what I have, whether it's a speaking gift, whether it's a singing gift. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord. Amen? Let's just commit ourselves to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your varied grace that operates in our church. Lord, and as we study these things even further, Lord, I ask that you would show us how to use our mouth, how to use our time to please you in all things. That it would truly be a spiritual act of worship. That this spiritual house gets built up by you, Holy Spirit. Not by the works of man. Not by the works of any woman. Not by the works of anyone who calls themselves anything in this church. Lord, we ask that it would be truly a work of grace. So Lord, I ask wherever there are strongholds, Lord God, in our minds. Strongholds in our, in our thinking, Lord, that it would be torn down, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for a, a revelation of who you are and what you are doing in your church. Lord, for, for young and old, for people in positions of authority, for those who function in teams. Lord God, I thank you for each one. We give you glory, Lord God, for your grace at work. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do what only you can do among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.